The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. With any man. And there she is, and this angel, not just any angel, but the angel, the angel Gabriel, comes to her and says, Mary, you are highly favoured. What would you think in that situation? Highly favoured? What does this mean? Am I about to win the lottery or something like that? What, what's going to happen to me? What, what's, you are going to be with child. So this young girl suddenly is declared by this angel that she is going to become pregnant and that pregnancy is going to come from the Most High. The power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the child that you will bear will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. It doesn't actually say in the Scriptures, although I feel as though it should do, at this point Mary fainted. You know, because that's just like, what? Because this is sort of the shock that you would have expected. But she didn't do that. Actually, Mary said, and I don't know whether it was with trembling or quite what it was, but she said, as you have said it, let it happen to me. In other words... I embrace what you are asking of me. A mother's surprise. A mother's shock. And you know what? Even today, there comes that point where suddenly you discover, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And there's the announcing of news that a mum can bring, which is exciting. Sometimes it is slightly shocking. I'm pregnant? Uh, It depends. But it is a joy. And in this case, the mother's surprise was that she is pregnant. May it be to me, said Mary, as you have said. Point two, a mother's joy. There was the surprise at the pregnancy, but there's great joy when the birth happens. But we know because we go through Christmas every year and we retell the Christmas story and we relive it, of what happened, it wasn't actually an easy ride for Mary. During the end months of her pregnancy, so she's getting bigger and bigger and... uh, Ah, yes, the baby's yet to come. I can see that just down there. Okay, we're still waiting. So some people here know exactly what that is like. We're waiting, we're waiting for the baby to arrive. In this case, for Mary, there's the news that Joseph brings, like, we've got to go and get registered. What does that mean? It means we've got to go on a long journey. What, with me like this? Yeah, don't worry, you can sit on the donkey. But... You know, that's not really... (laughs) Just imagine... uh, Well, I won't imagine. If you're a pregnant mum and now you're being asked to sit on the back of a donkey and go from here to, I don't know, to London uh, or even further. It's not something that fills you with great joy. But this is what happened to Mary. So on that donkey ride, and you can imagine they're getting bumped and bashed all around. When they arrive, you think, oh, the baby's coming. But there's no room for them to stay. Premier Lodge is filled up. All the places are shut. There's nowhere. Where can I go to have this baby? And actually, it's fortunate sometimes when the pressure arises because you, it doesn't, I don't care where it is. I'm giving birth. Get me somewhere. There is a slight urgency that comes upon a situation that causes you to be able to say, okay, if it is a stable, then that's where I'm going to go. 
This young girl who has been declared who is going to be carrying the Son of the Most High is found a place to give birth to that baby, but it's in a shabby animal stable. And instead of having a beautiful crib or something to put the baby in, there is just the feeding trough of the animals. But that is where the Most High was born. But there was great joy for this mum as she has now bought this baby. And his name is going to be Jesus because he is the saviour of the world. A mother's joy when the baby is born. And Mary had that joy as Jesus came into the world. This was the saviour of the world who was born through her. What a wonderful experience that was. But you know, there was even shock in this situation because you can just get through all the trauma and the rigmarole of actually giving birth and all that that encounters and the fact that this is now happening in a stable where animals are and you've got this baby now in the animal's feeding trough but suddenly knocking at the door there's all these grubby shepherds that have come in and they're super excited they're more excited than you are because they're saying like we've come because angels have told us to come you can just imagine the scene, can't you? When we think of it at Christmas, oh, of course, the angels came and all this sort of stuff. Look at it from Mary's point of view. I want some privacy. I'm trying to get on with this situation. I'm trying to feed my baby. And suddenly all the shepherds of the town pop in. Oh, don't worry, we just come to see. It must have been a chaotic scene. As shortly after they had gone, not necessarily on the same day, but a few days later, we've got three wise men who have come. And they've come bearing gifts because they've come to worship this baby. What an experience. You know what? Mary's just about getting her head around this. The joy of having given birth, the somewhat shock of what is following it, when the next thing is Joseph, over breakfast, says, I had a dream last night. Guess what? We're off to Egypt. There's no, there's no stability in this early days for Mary. So this Mary had a surprise that she was pregnant. She had the joy of giving birth, but there were yet many more surprises in store as now the family are hot-footing it out of Israel and they're going to the safety of Egypt because God has called them because he wants to protect the baby. You know, mums never have an easy ride. You, you find out you're pregnant, the baby's here, and your whole life turns upside down. Well, I suppose it's good to see that the same thing happened for Mary in the Bible as happens to us today. Life gets turned upside down, and I'm sure we don't read about the fact that Jesus cried, but I believe that Jesus was a normal baby. So Johnny, yes, he probably did wake up at night and have a few issues during the night too, as you have from time to time. A mother's joy, my baby boy is here. But thirdly, something that all mums experience, a mother's distress. Mums go through distress. Mary was not absent from that. I've spoken in one sense of the distress that she had. Suddenly we're moving our location. Suddenly where our home was. Suddenly where the people I knew who were around me, that's all gone because we've gone to Egypt. But having been in Egypt for a number of years, they came back and they settled in Nazareth and so there was family life that carried on around Mary. But for this family, because they're a Jewish family, every year they go to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. 
So the Feast of the Passover, they're commembering their Jewish history, they're remembering the events that have happened before, but they go to Jerusalem because that is the place where the God has made his name to be known. So they go to Jerusalem to worship together with all of these other people in Jerusalem for that festival. And you go as a family. It's a big thing. You would be saving money, you would be organizing things to go as a family to that festival and to have a great time there. And so Jesus and Joseph and the family and Mary, they go to this festival. Jesus is 12 years old. So he's, a, he's a running around, he's enjoying life. He's coming of age as a Jewish boy, certainly. And they go to the festival, they enjoy the festival. And you know what it's like when you're amongst friends, I mean, because this is a big thing. So there's lots of people going from the town. You go together. You're there as a community of people. And there's children running around, and you want your children to be having fun with others, and, and they're looking after them, and yeah, that's fine. Just as we see on a Sunday morning here, the kids looking after each other and playing with each other. So that was happening. And so Mary and Joseph had had the enjoyment of the festival, and they're all on their way back home. And they're just a day, you know, so it's been a day's walk now from Jerusalem. Joseph says to Mary, where's Jesus? Have you seen him? Mary says, I'm sure I've seen him somewhere. Uh, where are Jesus? Where are you? And there becomes that moment which many mums and dads have experienced, I'm sure. Where is our child? Where is our son? In this case, where's Jesus? I don't know. I thought he was with so-and-so. You, I thought he was here. Wasn't he here? You're supposed to be looking after him. You know all of those comments that go with it. This would have happened. You're a day away. They've got no choice, having gone through all this process of saying, like, we've got to go back to Jerusalem. It's interesting. When you read about it in the Scripture, it says, three days later. Those were not a, a, an easy three days, I don't think, in that relationship between Joseph and Mary. Have you ever been there? You know, it's always somebody else's fault at first, isn't it, who lost the child? Because we need to... We, we, that's how we go about things. We blame somebody else because... It's just how life happens. You know, it's interesting that that particular chapter on that week in Joseph's life is not in the Scriptures. But I'm sure when we get to heaven, he can explain what it was really like to us. There was tension, there was difficulties, there was looking everywhere, and eventually, after three days, Mary and Joseph, they come to the temple. For goodness sake, Jesus, there he is. What are you doing here? And Jesus is just sitting there and he's sitting with the teachers of the law and he's interested, he's listening to them and he's asking questions. He's having a great time and mum and dad come in and they're all uptight. Why have you done this to us? I had a, a scripture. This, Why were you searching for me, Jesus said? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And yet we're also reading that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. <laughs> that scene would be one to actually see on TV. Uh, the surprise, the shock, the cry. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? You, you can hear it in her voice. There's always frustration and anger. Why did you get lost? You can see mum saying to their child, well, I didn't mean to get lost. It's just, it's just the escape of emotion from a mum being released. Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. It's just so normal. And Jesus is saying, but this is where I had to be. I had to be in my father's house. It says that he went with them. And it says that Jesus continued to grow 
in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. There are moments in a mum's world we choose not to remember too many times. There's a mother's distress. Jesus has gone missing. My child is missing. And mums understand what that is like. Point four, a mum's world, a mother's world. What is a mother's world? A mother's world is taken up with many, many things, but it's closely associated with a busy family. And you know, for Mary, she had a busy family. We know of Mary being the mother of Jesus, but in the Bible it tells us that Jesus had four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and sisters. It doesn't actually give their names or say how many of them, but this is a big family. And a big family... I only had two children, so that's a small family. I mean, there's at, least five, there's at least six members of this family in terms of children. So it's a big family. It would have been a lively family. And so Mary, as a mum, was looking after a big family. There was a lot of life that was going on. There was a lot of crying, shouting, arguing, all sorts of things, even though there was Jesus in the midst, and Jesus was the good one. Okay? He was the good one. But let's be honest, there was family life that occurred as far as that's concerned. And we read, as I say in Scripture, later on where people are talking of Jesus and they're actually saying to him, hey, isn't he Jesus? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Aren't his brothers, and it names his brothers and his sisters here amongst us. In other words, this is what people were saying. They knew who he was. You see, this mum, Mary, as all mums do, they seem to live in a busy world. There's a lot of life that is happening all around us. Well, those things are all about the mission initiation, if you like. Because all of this is about the coming into the world of Jesus and the life that he lived in. During this time, we don't know about Jesus' prayer life, but it would have been there. We don't know of his scripture reading, but it would have been there. We don't know all about his knowledge, but it says he grew in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And he would have been growing in those things. And there would have been a real sense of the presence of God around him in his family and in the work that he did. But that was mission initiation. We come on to mission commencement. And I want to look under this with this heading, A Mum Remembers. Mums do remember. You talk to any mum here and say, look, tell me about your children and how they were growing up. And they will suddenly start picking out various memories and events of different things. Some of those will be a scene of naughtiness. Some of that would have been a birthday or something like that, a scene of joy. There'll be all sorts of things that mums remember. And this Mary, I'm sure she was a mum who remembered. She was a mum who remembered birthdays. It says of Jesus that he was 30 years old when he began his ministry. You see, a mum remembers birthdays. They remember dates of children and what they were doing at that age. And this mum, Mary, she remembered my son Jesus was 30 when he began his ministry. There's something that mums do. They're special about that. They remember events. And this mum remembered birthdays. She remembered the age when Jesus' ministry started. As a mum, you remember events that surround somebody's life. You remember Jan was talking about the time when her children went to senior school. And there's that step-up event when mums no longer feel so much under control. They feel like, I've got to let them go. 
Mary would have been feeling this. I know Jesus was older, but you know what? As a mum, you never stop being a mum. Doesn't matter how old your children are. You will still remember them as your children, even though they are mums themselves. This mum would have remembered the testimony of John the Baptist. Now Mary had a cousin, and her name was Elizabeth. And Elizabeth had a son called John. So that makes John the Baptist Mary's first cousin once removed, just in case you needed to know the technicalities of these things. So there's a relationship, a family relationship, with this guy, John the Baptist, and with her cousin Elizabeth, they would have known in the family what was going on. John had been set apart by God from, an, from his birth. John was a bit of a strange guy. He dressed in camel hair. He had a leather belt, and he lived in the desert. Basically, he was a bit of a strange guy. People think he was one of the Essenes. That is a group of of Jewish people who set themselves apart to learn scriptures and to do the things of God. But actually, the thing about John the Baptist was he created a a, a revival amongst the Jewish people. John began to preach and to teach. And he came out of the desert teaching and preaching that there was going to come one whose sandals he was not worthy to untie. There was going to come one who was greater than him, where John baptized with water and he was baptizing people to show that they were saying, we want to live for God. We truly want to live God's ways. We don't just want to say we're Jews outwardly. We want that to influence us inwardly. We want to be a changed people. We want to affect our society. We want the Jewish people to come alive. We have a story to tell about how great our God is. And so John was encouraging people to actually live their faith. They went out into the desert to see him, and and they were being baptized by him. Their baptism was saying, we're living this way. We're changing our lives. And it had a major impact because as the people came out from Jerusalem and the surrounding towns and they came to John, John was preaching to them the truth and telling them the way to live. They were actually confessing their sins. So people were coming out and saying, you know what? I shouldn't have been living like this. I shouldn't have been doing this, but I have been. I confess, but now I'm going to live a new life. You can imagine the scene. This was a dramatic time. Mary would have remembered this. This is my first cousin once removed, you know, who's bringing that message. So he was preaching and teaching. And there was a day in when Jesus went to him. And Jesus said, I need to be baptized. This was a special day. So Jesus went there, and he wanted to identify with the fact that he wanted to announce that I want to live God's way. So he was baptized as well. And John said, look, I don't know whether I'm really worthy because John knew that though he had been set apart, he knew there was something special about Jesus. He just knew there was something special about him. He probably heard the stories. Well, he had heard the stories, I'm sure, about how Jesus' birth came to be. But also there was a normality about Jesus and he wasn't doing the same things as John. So John says to him, look, you know, should I really be baptizing you? Jesus says, yes, you need to baptize me. So Jesus was baptized, but there was something different here. Because when Jesus came up out of the water, a dove came upon him. Now whether that was actually a dove or it was the presence of the Holy Spirit that came upon him and people realized that something had happened and a voice came, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
There was something that day that was completely different. Mary as a mum would have remembered that. This for us was an initiation because John, when he saw what happened, you see, like when you have a dream or something, you see something happening and then you hear about that event happening, which does happen with people. You get a bit, wow. Sometimes you have, some people call it a premonition. It is a sense in which you have a spiritual understanding. God has revealed something to you of what is going to happen. And God had spoken to John the Baptist. He had said, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend, he is the one who is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is the Lamb of God. So John had this information, the one on whom you see the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? When's that going to happen? And then suddenly this day when he baptizes Jesus, it happens. So for John, this was like, whoa, this is a key moment. And for John, he knew this wasn't anybody. This was something special. And so from that day on, John would go around saying, hey, behold, the Lamb of God who is going to take away the sin of the world. This is the one. This is the one I spoke of. You've heard me say, there's coming after me one who is greater than me. Do you remember I've mentioned that in my messages? You've heard me preach that. Well, here he is. This is the Lamb of God. Mary would have remembered these things. Mary, as a mum, remembers, and mum remembers, remember key events. Fasting, in terms of the Jewish people, was not something that was unknown. When they had their festivals, not every festival, but on some festivals, then the whole of the community would have fasted that day. The Day of Atonement was one of those days. The day when the high priest went into the the holy of holy places to make atonement for the nation. On that day, everybody, you wouldn't be eating that day. So the whole nation would have known days of fasting. You can imagine it at home. I don't know how many days of fasting Jesus went through, but there was a time when he says, Mom, I'm going to be fasting for the next 40 days. He would have said, Mom, I'm going on a fast. In fact, I'm going to be away from home for a while. Now, we read it like this, that it says that the Holy Spirit led him into the desert and he fasted for 40 days. There was a time which Mary would have remembered after the occasion, I'm sure, because this was a key moment. This was a moment when Jesus was moving from just being Jesus, the carpenter, the son at home, to moving into his mission and taking things out to the world. But there was a process that he had to go through. He needed to be baptized and revealed to the world by John the Baptist, but also he needed to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and he needed to encounter the powers of darkness. The Bible says the reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy. If you don't know who your enemy is, how can you fight against him? Jesus was called to go into the wilderness. And he went there under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he fasted for 40 days. So he was in that time, he would have been encountering God, he would have been praying, he was fasting, he would have been receiving and connecting with God during that time. But also towards the end of that time, the devil himself appears and wants to tempt him. Now this is a key moment now because the devil is seeing, he knows the destiny. He fears the destiny of this man. Perhaps he doesn't know everything that's going to happen, but he wants to stop it. 
and he wants to make sure that he can throw this man off course because this man is living differently. There's something different about Jesus and the way he is. And so the devil wants to tempt him, and he wants to tempt him, look, you're hungry, why don't you eat some of these, why don't you turn these stones into bread? You have the power to do that. And Jesus says, it is written that man shall not live on bread only, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Shuts the devil up. The devil comes at him again and says, you know, will you, in effect, he says, will you worship me? You should worship no one else but the Lord God. And all of these temptations that Jesus is taking through, and everyone, he, he comes against it with the word of God. He combats it. And it says the devil left him. So he had overcome. And it says that he came out of the desert under the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a new anointing that had come upon him, a new empowering that had come upon him because he had seen and encountered the devil and he had overcome. He had not fallen to temptation. So Jesus had prepared himself spiritually during that time and I'm sure that Mary would have remembered those things. I need to swiftly go. Next point. What is my next point? A mum releases. A mum releases. Mary had to release her son. And I don't care what you say or how old he was, this, her, this she would have felt in her heart, as any mum does. Obviously, it is the desire of every mum to release their children into the fullness of their destiny. The destiny of her son was to be the saviour of the world. Now, I'm not putting anybody else down because we all feel the release that is necessary to let our children go, to experience new things, to live for themselves, to fulfill the destiny that God has for them. But boy, I wonder how it felt for Mary. But as a mum, she was being a mum. There was a wedding that she had been invited to. Jesus and his disciples were there. Now, John refers to this wedding as being the first of his miracles and actually talks about it as being the commencement of his ministry. But obviously, the disciples were invited to the wedding, so there's a sense in which the disciples have been chosen. So it's a bit difficult sometimes to actually fit all of the gospel accounts and how they come as to when did it actually start. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can't really do that. But if we look at John's gospel, then we know that Mary, Jesus... The disciples, presumably many members of Mary's family, were at the wedding. They were in Cana, they were in Galilee, they were having a great time. It was a family affair. Jesus is 30, and his mum comes and starts to bother him. See, it happens in the Bible, it happens in life generally. It doesn't really matter how old you are, your mum can still come in and say, can you do this for me? Mum, do you have to? That particular verse has been taken out of my Bible, that where Mary says, or Jesus says to his mum, Mum, do you have to ask me that right now? But mum was there. Why was mum pestering Jesus? Because at this wedding, they'd run out of wine. I, I just, I love this story because it's right, in one sense, it, it ruffles the feathers of Christians. They're at a wedding, there's wine being talked about, alcohol, you're not supposed to get drunk, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, do everything right, be proper Christians. But this is a story, Jesus is at the wedding and they've run out of wine. He's trying to show that there is normal community life that we have to have. 
Uh, yes, in the midst of it as Christians, we shouldn't be getting drunk. If you are getting drunk, then you're opening your life up to all sorts of problems. Just saying that. But also, you know, there is a time for us to celebrate, and at weddings is a great time to have a good time with the family. Not getting drunk, but enjoying maybe a glass of wine. But it's impossible to enjoy a glass of wine when they've run out. It's impossible. What is there? Obviously, perhaps it was Mary wanted to have a glass of wine. I don't know. It doesn't say that. Perhaps she wanted to have a glass. I've got no more, no more. Hey, let me get Jesus onto the case. So she says to Jesus, will you help out? And then she just leaves it. And isn't this what mums do? They sow the seeds of, can you please do this? And then they just walk away. And then you're left there thinking, oh, mum, what are you doing that for? And you have to work that through. Well, Jesus obviously didn't do that. He thought, yes, I don't know. He just said, mum, my time has not yet come. That's what he said. And Mary, did she know better? Did she know wiser? Had she heard from God herself? I don't know. But the next thing we're told about is that Jesus goes and he finds these great big water jugs that they use. And these, these are big jugs, okay? Now, I, I looked it up because they hold so many liters. An equivalent would be they, one of these jugs, and there's six of them, I think, one of these jugs is like filling a bath right to the brim. Okay, not, not halfway through. You're not like, oh, I don't want to save some hot water. You fill it right up to the top so it's about to overflow. That is the minimum size that one of these jugs would be. There's six of them. And Jesus says to the servants, go and fill them up with water. Just think how heavy they would have been afterwards. Struggle of that. They go to fill them up with water. Eventually they're full. Oh, goodness gracious. We've got to carry them back. So the servants are carrying back these enormous great big jugs. And Jesus says, tip some out. Now, I don't know how many people it took to tip it out. because It's so heavy. You know, several. They tip some out. And what was water now comes out as wine. But it's not just any old wine. Because when the master of ceremonies drinks this wine, he says to the bridegroom, what's the matter with you? Listen, most people, most people serve the best wine first, but when people get drunk, you can see what's happening at this wedding. When people get drunk, they serve the rubbish wine. But you have saved the best till last. And it goes on to say that Jesus revealed himself through this miracle. This was the commencement as far as John was concerned. He says this is the first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. I should think a lot of people put their faith in him if he was turning water into wine like that. You see, it's a moment where there's a big change going on. Mums remember Mum's release. And this morning, and I've got to finish here, we want to honour all the mums for all that they do in our lives, for the way that they care, for the way that they release, for the way they go through trauma with their children sometimes. <gasps> He's got lost, can we find him? All of those things. We just want to honour you mums this morning and thank you because there is this factor you can see in the life of Jesus. Jesus needed to have a mum. And his mum affected his life and helped his life. And so we want to honour Mary, but we don't just want to honour Mary in a special position. She deserves honour, but so does every mum because of the work that they do. 
Just as I was finally saying, it's not a point that I put up there, a mum has to surrender. There's that sense of releasing your child. There's a sense of surrendering your children back to God. And this mum, later in this story, she's standing before a cross, seeing her son being lifted up. And Jesus himself, looking down from that cross, says to his disciple John, who wrote about this story of the wine, and says, John, here is your mum. In other words, look after her, because I have a mission that I'm completing. What I find is wonderful is later after Jesus has died and risen from the dead, returned back to heaven, in the beginning of Acts, where you see them at that time going to the upper room, having seen Jesus risen, ascended. It says of those, who was it who was going to pray for the next stage of the mission? One of those mentioned, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. She had to surrender. For all of us, whether we're mums here this morning, for all of us, we have to surrender to this living Jesus Christ. Our lives need to be given to him. Because only with him at the center of our lives that everything truly can come into its right place. This week in London, that terrible catastrophe, that terrible terrorist attack with people losing their lives, and we never know when we're going to lose our life, but we can know this, with Jesus at the center of our lives, we can know peace in the midst of trouble. We can know his presence every day and his guidance and help through our lives. So if I want to say to you as I close this morning, if you do not know Jesus, Jesus who is the saviour of the world, then we want to help to introduce you to Jesus in this church. Because we believe that he is the most important person that you're ever going to meet and that you ever need to meet. So I just want to say to you, if you want to know more about relationship with Jesus, then please see perhaps the person that you came with this morning, or certainly myself, or any of the, the people who have been, uh, who are the stewards or those around us in the church, we want to help to encourage you and lead you in your life with Jesus Christ. Let's stand together as we sing.